We're going to go ahead and get started here. And so, uh, uh, let's go ahead and read our verse together today. It's Hebrews 3.13. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. If you love the Lord this morning, say amen. amen. I'm excited for class, and I hope that in this new series on practical Christian living, and I hope that you'll enjoy it as much as I enjoy uh, preparing for it and getting ready. And, and um, hopefully you can see these screens, and uh, I think they're separated well enough. You can do so. Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Seeing things from God's perspective. <clears throat> Our natural tendency, maybe you disagree, but... I think our natural tendency is to see other people and our circumstances from our point of view. Would you agree with that? Is it easier to see things from ours than from theirs? Why is that? Pardon? We know our perspective, our vantage point. Why else? Yeah, Donna. something that's like, well, here's how I would perceive this, how I interpret it, how I think about it, but that may not be the case at all. What are some biblical examples of this? Well, I, I, I love these stories because it really helps us to get a kind of an idea about what's going on here. First of all, Peter rebukes Jesus. He had a different perspective than Jesus did. Would someone read that for me? Stumbling block before. 
Yep, Paul's writings. Paul was describing, it's Bible time, okay? Paul is describing something. Pardon? Exactly. A stumbling block. You know what? When you stumble, what do you do? Fall. Okay? And have you ever heard the phrase, fall into sin? They fell into sin. Anybody? Yeah. What Jesus is saying here is, Peter, you're trying to convince me not to do the will of my Father. That's satanic ideas. That's wrong thinking. Or as Cheryl's dad liked to call it, stinking thinking. Okay? What you're doing is, is you're taking this, the, what God is, what the Father is giving me to do, and said, no, you're not going to do this. It's because Peter only was focused on now rather than the eternal, like he said. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, this mindset, we, Peter's seeing it from his perspective but not from God's perspective. Peter and the disciples, Matthew 26, 33 to 35. Kim, go for it this time. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Here, again, Peter and the other disciples are seeing this from their own perspective. Jesus, you rock, dude. I don't care if everybody else disowns you. I'm not, I'm in all the way. Now, this is the danger, okay? How many of you in here are a follower of Jesus Christ? Did you say that? Amen. Amen. We're in. However, when life's circumstances, when challenges come into our life, it's easy to walk away. From our perspective, we may go, God, I am all in. Jesus, I am following you to the ends of the earth. I, I will never disown you. That's because you've never known this type of fear that Peter was going to go through. And ultimately, what these disciples were going to go to, because how many of the disciples stuck around? John. And it's amazing. They dispersed. They got out of there. A third example. Jesus and the feeding of the 5,000 men plus. Okay. Matthew 14, 15 to 17. Someone read that for me. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves Okay, see, they're seeing things from their perspective. Jesus comes to them, this is a remote place. There's, you know, we can't send them away. They may, they may get really, you know, hurt along the way, tired, they, you know, because of the exhaustion that they may have, because they're hungry. They don't need to go away. Give them something to eat. Has God ever asked you to do something that in your mind was impossible. 
was a challenge. Has God ever asked you to do something that you, in your heart, went, mm, no, Lord, not me? Has the Lord ever prompted you to share your faith with somebody? And you went, not me, Lord. No, 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 no. Get somebody else to do that one. Has the Lord ever prompted you to go someplace? And you're like, no, Lord, that's not your plan. Come up with a different one. Has God ever led you to go on the mission field? And you're like, not so much, Lord. Um, I like America. I like where I'm at. Or whatever the case may be. See, we see things. And he, he, God tells us to do something. And they, their, their mindset went to, hey, wait. We only have five loaves, two fish. What's that going to do? What's that going to do? Sometimes our perspective is we're not capable. We don't have that skill. We don't have that ability. We don't have the stuff that it takes to do what God's called us to do. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? But sometimes we back up in fear. We back out because we've never seen it happen like that before. We've never experienced that before. And because we haven't experienced it, we assume it can't be done. It can't be done. But with God, all things are possible. Our own perspective can be limited in scope, and if followed, can be destructive. Example is the prodigal son. Sin, like Satan, deceives us. Think about this, our own perspective. Think of the prodigal son's perspective. He's the youngest of two. I'm young. How many of us have known somebody who wanted to sow their wild oats? Who wanted to just get out there, have some fun? This is what life is about. I'm going to college. I'm going to wherever. And you know what? I'm tired of being good, and I'm just going to enjoy life. Sometimes from our perspectives, we're blinded because we don't see what God sees. And we don't know the trouble that we may face. God does. But listen to this. God didn't kill the prodigal son. He knew his heart was wrong. What does God typically allow us to do? Stumble and fall. Pardon? Stumble and fall. To stumble and fall. Why? Why would God do that? Why would he say, I've had enough of your rebellion. I'm done with you. Does he do that typically? No. Why did he allow, and even the father. Think of that as an example of the father who gives him his inheritance, knowing his son is unwise, knowing his son is going to go and blow it. He wasn't going to invest it. He was going to blow it. But what ends up happening? Ultimately, what the father sees is going to happen, and he ends up in the pig pen. God sometimes allows us to get to the bottom so he can bring us up. You see, a person can't be saved until they're what? Lost. Lost. No one 
can come to their senses, typically, until they recognize their need for the Father. Do you need the Father today? Do you need the Lord in your life? Or have you got it? We've got this one covered. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I, I'll leave them when I need them. Seeing things from our own perspective began in the garden. Someone read that for me. Scripture says. 
Adam wasn't. See, she gave to her husband who was with her. Unfortunately, he was passive. He just stood on the outside, let the dialogue between Satan, the serpent, the snake. I mean, if, if a snake was talking to my woman, I don't think I would be letting that conversation go on. But Adam did. He's like, yeah, whatever. And then he's listening to this, and she seemed to listen to this. He convinces her that the tree in the middle of the garden was okay to eat because God was lying to her that she would be like God. And she looks at the tree, and I'm sure she had to walk to it. They weren't standing by that tree. They're having a dialogue together. And she goes over to that tree and says, it is pretty nice. That fruit looks pretty good. We're losing out. We're missing out on God's best. He doesn't want us to have the best. And she takes it. And he's just standing there, passive, letting it go on. And she eats. And she goes, here. Here. And he goes, okay. And he eats too. Instantly, their eyes were opened. And they realized what they, they, they had sinned. It resulted in shame and utterly and ultimately death. Their, then their eyes were then opened, were both opened, and they realized they were naked. They were naked. They, they're embarrassed. They're ashamed. For the first time, embarrassment and shame came into the garden. It was never intended that way. And all of a sudden, they recognized they're sinful. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And this way, death came to all people because all sinned. And I guess they're representative of us. If Cheryl and I were there in the garden, which would have been an amazing experience for me, I would love to have had a perfect body once in my life. <laughs> Cheryl definitely has a perfect body. Never mind, I'm not going to go there. Just <laughs> this church. And think about this. We probably we would have done the same thing. That's why we have to check our hearts and minds all the time. That's why it's valuable to be in fellowship like this with each other, to encourage each other. It's it, 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 you've got to live the Christian life. Don't be fooled by Satan's lies. He was going to trick you. You don't need this or something like this. It doesn't have to be this class, but be in community. Encourage one another spiritually. Build each other up. Encourage each other. Because you know what? Satan is on the attack. He wants to steal and to kill and destroy. He is not your friend. He comes across as, as, a, as a light. But he's lying to us. And we can't see things from our perspective. Because when we do, we always, it always leads to destruction. Why should we see things from God's perspective? Because it impacts our entire spiritual life. Matthew 6, 22 to 23. Someone read that for me.
because the way you see things will determine whether you see it spiritually or carnally. Okay? How you see things. If you start seeing things from your perspective, you can get angry. You can get bitter. You can get frustrated. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't want to move here this Sunday. You know, I really didn't. It's like, but, 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 you know, we've got this room. It's nice. And I'm seeing things from my perspective, right? And, 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 and Will and I were talking beforehand. It's like, how many people will actually walk that far? I got to be honest with you. This is amazing. You guys are amazing. Give yourselves a hand for walking the class, you know? I mean, it's amazing you being here, okay? It's like, but I'm seeing things from my perspective. But you know what? If we were in a third world country, we would have nothing this nice. I've been in those countries. We'd be on dirt floors, sitting on mats. It'd be cold or hot without heating or necessarily air conditioning. And we'd be glad to be there. You know, so we have to keep things from God's perspective. We should see things from God's perspective so that our heart won't be hardened. Matthew 13, 15 to 16. Someone read that for me. opportunities to impact people for the gospel. Acts 26, 15 to 18. I am Jesus. Paul, he, he's talking to Paul. Whom you are persecuted, Lord, replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. <coughs> Look at that last part. You see, when a person doesn't have faith in Christ, their eyes have been blinded. They're in darkness. They're under the power of Satan. They're unforgiven. Folks, sharing the gospel isn't a good thing. It's a necessity. Sharing our faith with someone is crucial, ultimately, 
God's called Paul, and he's called each and every one of us. So here's the thought this morning. Who do you know that doesn't know Jesus? Can you think of at least one person that you're not just acquainted with, but you know that's lost? Anybody? Just raise your hand if you know somebody like that. Then okay. the question is, God, how can I be used by you to share the gospel? It's saying this like women to Christ, that's God's job. Share the gospel to get the truth to them so that their eyes will be opened and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, <clears throat> so they can be forgiven and sanctified by faith. It's, it's our protection. Psalm 25, 15, my eyes <coughs> excuse me, are ever on the Lord. For only he shall this might be from the snare. Will you always like to help me? Will would you mind getting some water in that there's a cup right there on the corner before you can get another one? That's my cup. That way I don't I can't say I waste a tree. I'll just waste some more styrofoam. <laughs> Think about what God is wanting to do in and through you. But he's got to protect, he, he protects you through his word from the snares of the devil. And what ultimately happens then is when we choose to make decisions from our perspective, we fall down a path and then we end up places we don't really want to be. What are the benefits of seeing things from God's perspective? It helps us to avoid evil. Someone read that for me. Psalm 101, 2 through 4. I will be careful to be the blameless life. I will be I think we all get that, right? 1 John 1 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth isn't in us. But we can lead a blameless life. And we do that when we come to God. And we also have to have God's perspective on things. You can't play in the world and play church and be successful in the Christian life. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord. And live a successful Christian life. You've got to make a conscious choice. And we are all the product of choices. Amen? Can, can we agree on that? We are the product of our choices. Not somebody else's choices. Our own. 
how we respond, how we, we do things. He says, I will conduct my affairs in my house with a blameless heart. So, are you conducting the affairs of your house with a blameless heart? Are you choosing to do things in your home in a godly way? Or are you choosing to look at life from your perspective and be selfish or whatever in your home? I will not look with approval on anything that's vile. Romans 1 says they applaud people who are living in sin, right? We don't ever want to applaud. Be careful of what we watch, what we listen to, and applaud in our life. I hate what faithless people do. That carnal lifestyle, I'll have no part of it. If, you're, if they're perverse, some of us have friends that are perverse. We don't want to lose our friends. So do we hang out with the wrong purpose? Are we hanging out with them to bring them to Christ and to holiness or just to make them feel good? It means, it is a means of gaining wisdom. Psalm 119, 18 says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Our verse that we started our class with today. How do we do that? We've looked at God's word and we gain wisdom from it. Proverbs tells us that, that we gain wisdom from God. It, it helps us to know who needs to be saved. Someone read John 435 for me. Lord, know what's coming. Is anyone surprised? Is anyone expecting winter to come? Are you shocked that it's cold? Okay. You saw the leaves changing. You began to see the leaves fall. You, you've got to enjoy raking them. No. No. He says, you know, we know the signs. We know the seasons. We kind of get things down. I tell you, every year, I always look forward to one thing in summer. It's later, typically, in the summer, but summer. No, Cheryl looks forward to that. Keep that up, sweetie. <coughs> I look forward to sweet corn. Not frozen corn, but fresh sweet corn. Not this, not me. I'm not a, a crunchy, you know, give me a real thick piece of, you know, chew it. Mm -mm. I like it when it's Silver Queen. Anybody know what Silver Queen corn is? Man. And he says, open your eyes. The fields are white into harvest. <coughs> There's people all around us. You know what's coming. Are you who? Are you aware that there's people that still need to be saved? And if they don't get saved, they're going to spend an eternity separated from me. His plan is to use you and me. Are we sharing our faith? He gives us an eternal perspective. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Do you ever have temporal eyes you're only focused on now 
rather than having an eternal perspective on life. I do at times. Sometimes I focus so much on this earth that it, it, yeah, I, I forget there's a bigger purpose here. In everything that I do, there's an eternal purpose. It helps us to stay focused, doing right and being right. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Someone read that for me. Amen. Sometimes we need to focus on the right things. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. And the only way to do that, folks, is to stay in God's word. Do you have a Bible plan for how you're staying in God's word? Let me encourage you if you don't. Whether you listen to it or read it or have it read to you. Stay in God's word. And that will help us to run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Jesus wants to perfect us. Philippians 1 6, Dr. Paul's life verse. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And he does that through his word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our final section what happens when we see things from God's perspective? We will see the potential for good in others. Someone read for me, Matthew 9, 9 and 10. As Jesus went along from there, he saw Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner in Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Now think about this. Were tax collectors liked in the first century? Yeah. Why? Why were they hated? Pardon? They were crooked. They were crooked. Yeah. They were sellouts. They were sellouts. Okay. So they were taking more than they should have. They sold out, and even their own brethren, if you will, family. And Jesus comes and sees Matthew sitting there. What did Matthew become? A disciple of Jesus. Now think about this. Do you see people from God's perspective or from your own? Do you see people from cultural perspective or the potential that God could use in and through them? What God can do through them? Think about that. Is there anything impossible for God? No. What happens to a person when they get saved? Are are they the same? No. Now think about this. Do you ever write off people because surely God wouldn't save them? God wouldn't do that to them. There's no hope for them. Their sin's too bad. Mine wasn't so bad, but theirs is. Think about that. With God, God can do anything. And if we will see the potential for good in others, man, that's seeing things from God's perspective. 
we will see people who need Jesus. Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. If that's not a picture of America today, I don't know what is. They are like sheep without a shepherd. And the ones that are shepherding them are clueless. They're not helping them. They're hurting them. And there's so much confusion. These are people who need Jesus. We will see people with the end in view. Mark 1, 16-17. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. But they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. That was the first sermon I ever preached when I was 16 years old in the Beechwood United Methodist Church. It was, it ended up being 12 minutes long. I know that because my scoutmaster walked up to me afterwards, he was in the church, he said, you know, your, your sermon was only 12 minutes long. I said, I'm just grateful to get through 12 minutes. <laughs> <coughs> he saw them. He believed in them. He saw what God could do in and through them. Even Simon, Peter, who would betray him. Now, think about this for a second. I want everyone to focus with me. I know it's hard. Focus with me for a little bit. Is there a time in your life when God he saved you, you were going great, and then you messed up? You made some decisions that weren't necessarily godly, and Satan began to whisper in your ear, you're done. Give it up. Stop trying. You'll never be what God wants you to be. Just give it up. Live like the world. It's a whole lot easier. Peter went through that. Remember, after the, after the death of Christ, Peter's talking to the other disciples. What does he say? I'm going fishing. He's going back to his old trade. Jesus is dead. I'm going back fishing. Got to do something. And then Jesus meets him on the shoreline. And he says to him, Peter, do you love me? And they have that dialogue together. See, we, we, we need to see people at the end in view. There is so much more life. God has so much potential for you. You have can be used by God in amazing ways. You don't even know what it's going to be like. Dr. Falwell, you always used to talk about... <coughs> Uh, Colonel Sanders. Not the fake guy that's on television. He retired and took his first Social Security check and started Kentucky Fried Chicken. After retirement, God can use you at any stage of your age, from youngest to the oldest in this room. God wants to use you. Don't throw in the towel. Do not give up. I know it's tiring. I know it's exhausting, but you can do it. We will understand that seeing a need doesn't uh, mean you have to 
fix it every time. Mark 6, 47 and 51. Someone read that for me. Be careful of them. 
They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him, teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right. Like they believe that. And that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Like that's something that Jesus wanted to deal with. The, the law of the land. He saw through their duplicity and said to them, show me a denarius, give me a coin. Whose image and inscription are on it? Caesar's, they said. He said to them, then give back to Caesar what Caesar's and to God what's God's. All right, so we'll be done. Give to Caesar what Caesar's and to God what's God's. You see, when, when people in our life try to manipulate us, we just, we'll have the wisdom to know how to respond. I, I, I love teaching at Liberty, but there's nothing greater joy than some students will have than to find out a way to ask this professor a question they don't know the answer to, especially when it comes to ethics, and morality, that kind of stuff. And when God gives you the wisdom to answer them, they kind of sit back and they go, okay, you can keep talking. You know, and that's the culture we live in. Because ultimately, when we see things from God's perspective, we will be in God's word. We will see people for the way God wants us to see them. And we'll have the wisdom to know how to respond. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I love you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word, which is truth. John 17, 17, you tell us, sanctify, set them apart through thy word, because thy word is truth. May we do that, Lord, so that we can see things from your perspective and ultimately have victory in this Christian life. I pray for my brothers and sisters as we go our separate ways. May we hear your word, apply it, and have the wisdom to know how to use it. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week. See you next week.